1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in sociology. (laughs) It's there. There it is. In the word. Us putting it in there. See, that's the thing, is it's not in there, but we're putting it in there. Right. Is that why this works? Yeah,
0: I think so. Okay. Did we just figure that out? No. We have known the whole time.
1: Speak for yourself. (laughs) I'm a little
0: slower than you.
1: I thought we knew this. Everything
0: is, everything technically works because we admit <laughs> that we're putting it in there.
1: We're laughing at ourselves. That's the joke. Uh, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, there was two things I was considering bringing oh, up to you. Okay. And then on the drive, I was like, hmm That's too controversial. I'll talk about the other thing instead. Okay. And the thing is, is I don't remember the other not Uh, controversial thing. (laughs) Now that we're sitting here. So
0: what you're saying is by some sort of providence, (laughs) you are going to be bringing up the controversial thing. What was I going to tell you? (laughs) Oh, do you, have you forgotten both now?
1: No, I remember the controversial one, but I was like, oh, that's going to hurt so many feelings. Well, like, I mean it I'm not wrong, but you know.
0: <laughs> okay. I understand. Sometimes well, actually <laughs> always not even sometimes, always good to just keep in mind that rightness is not the ultimate no nope. form not, of communication. It's not
1: the ultimate. Um important, but not the only right. consideration. Yes. But you can't you can't give in on it, but you can't also only trade on it. Right. Because truth and love is what we're going right. for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could lovingly say this truthfully. Okay. Truthfully say this lovingly. I mean, there'll be people that are like,
0: no, no, you can't. No, you won't.
1: <laughs> you can't. You won't. You haven't. <laughs> you will not. <laughs> okay. So here was my thought. Okay. And um, it's, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be controversial But it is. But I think that it might be. I'll share my
0: controversial thing afterwards. It's not actually controversial. And I'm not even sure it's much of a thought, honestly. Okay. Yours is going to be better and, and lead to more conversation if I'm gauging this correctly.
1: I believe that because our yes is supposed to be yes... And our no is supposed to be no, right? Okay. Like this is a general, as Christians, mm-hmm. right? Our yes is yes, our no is no. And one reason is that, well, lying is against God's law. One reason is that Jesus did everything he said he was going to do. Like, there was right. never a time where Jesus was like, "Yeah, I'm going to do this thing," and then he was like, "Oh, just kidding," you know? Yeah. Um, which is which is likely because he's very careful with his words but which is a part of it keeping right. your
0: word a part of keeping your word is being careful when you give your word
1: right yes yes so what my thought was is that and I know that I'm a stickler for this so I know not everybody feels this way but I think that if you tell someone I will be there at noon you should be there at noon I agree, and we live in a fallen world, right? So
0: sometimes and certainly stuff happens. There's stuff like, happens. So there's exceptions and not. Don't
1: hear me saying what I'm not saying. Like, like if you tell someone, I'll I'll be there at noon, and then. But
0: there's a few there's a few ladies out there. I don't mean ladies. I mean latees. Latees.
1: Latees. out there that are like. <laughs> Well, and it's like okay, your something's wrong with your tire. Your kid starts right. puking. You forgot. You lost your key. There like, are
0: also times. There are seasons of child age where I feel like there's more, more likelihood there's for factors.
1: stuff. <laughs> there's there's factors in the world. Of course, you are not in control of. Yes. So just because someone has shown up late doesn't mean that you know they just. don't are a liar and are not conscientious. This message, I'm not saying this that. message
0: is not for the person waiting on the late person. This is the message for the late
1: person. Yes. So my thought was like, isn't being late a matter of being chronically late, always late mm-hmm. people counting on you being late. You're talking about poor
0: time management, not caring about other people's time as much as your own.
1: Yeah. And then just blowing it off and being like, well, that's who I am. Like, that's a matter of not letting yeah. your yes be yes. And yeah. like I said, tr- okay, I think I've given all the caveats that I you need really, to give.
0: You really have. At this point, if you still are offended, <laughs> Just, then I don't know what to tell you.
1: You are not in control of the world. I'm not in control of the world. There are factors. But the thing is, is like, also, shouldn't you? Like, let's say I... There's also
0: there's also 1201 and then there's like 1222. There's a
1: difference. (laughs) There's a huge difference between those two numbers. But then there's also just like with everything that you say you're going to do. Let's say I tell someone I'm going to bring them a meal. In order for me to do that, I have to plan ahead. Right. I have to buy the food. I have to make the food. Mm -hmm. I have to deliver the food. Like there's all these steps to me being able to let my yes be yes that I have to execute. It's the same thing with arriving places. Yeah, you have to plan for it. Right. So, like, well,
0: and plan given for it. and given your, it takes like planning is a concrete thing that like takes place in reality. So you have to plan in a way that that comports with right with time gravity.
1: Yes. like if Buildings you're traveling, being in your way. <laughs> if you're traveling somewhere at 5 p.m., you know you need to give yourself more time. Don't act like right. it's 2 a.m. Right. You know, like just things like that where it's just like it, you have to let your yes be yes. And I feel like we just kind of like have laughed it off as though like yeah. this is just who I am as a person or, well, it's just it's harder for me than it is for you. And it's like, well, it's not – I get that some people have more going on, which makes it more complicated. Right. But that just means you have to plan for it. Like it's not anyway. Well, and
0: again, it's not, again, this message is not for all you early on time people right. to look at other people. It's the message is for people is that is your
1: yes. Yes. Right. Like it's you your, personally. Are, yeah. Is your yes. Yes.
0: And I think, no, I don't think that's super controversial. I think that's just something you need to be mindful of. You need, yeah, and you know what, the world doesn't well, have to implode if you're a late person. Right. What needs to happen is you need to just be a little bit Land. more conscientious, yeah. and you need to consider, yeah, what you're saying yeah. when you don't keep your word.
1: Well, and I do. I my controversial opinion is I think it's sinful. I think. Oh yeah. I think you're failing because you're failing to let your yes be yes, and you're you're sinning right. in that. And it's not us.
0: We're not saying it's up to other people to judge if your lateness, right? But the point is, is you know if your chronic, you know if your lateness is chronic, and you know if your chronic lateness is a result of a sin thing. And then also on the flip
1: side, I think if you know somebody who's chronically late, number one, it's not your job to be there. Holy spirit and police that. And when someone sins against you, it's your job to be ready and willing to not like hold that over their head. Or if you're in a position
0: to, you can, you can say like, Hey,
1: you've been 30 minutes late to every (laughs) single coffee
0: we've ever had. (laughs) And that means that I'm getting my kids ready. I'm hiring a babysitter or whatever the thing is, is like, right. Um, Yeah. Like, are you going to be on time? You know? Right. It's okay. I mean, honestly, the the first real lesson I learned about being on time was marching band. Oh. And because I was all, yeah, I managed it. My parents didn't wake me up, my this and this all through high school. And so they like, Mm -hmm. they set the standard and someone in authority who had the ability to Mm -hmm. check me on my lateness Mm -hmm. did. So it was important. You know, and and your instinct is to be like, well, but this and this and this and this and this. And sometimes, sometimes you really did have a crazy day.
1: Yep. But sometimes. You just didn't plan ahead. Sometimes
0: you just thought your thing was more important than the other person's thing. Or or... like,
1: how about if you know that all of your days are crazy days that you budget for that? Right. That's something I've been learning with like food is it's like you can truly be healthy and in a way, eat whatever you want. I'm not saying go on an all twinkie diet. If right. you plan ahead, if you're like, you know what, I'm like that's that's the key to yeah. how like it's just the key to so many being prepared for so many things is yeah. like planning ahead and having discernment in those ways. And I just don't I feel like maybe just a lot of us were never expected to do that growing up, maybe. <laughs> or we've
0: just been forgiving ourselves for too long. Which right. by the way, you can't forgive yourself.
1: No, you cannot. <laughs> um
0: <laughs> and if you that's did something legitimately wrong, if you're doing something sinful, it's going to require um repentance and a change of behavior yep. to uh yep. really solidify that. Yep. I mean, that's just how I think obviously, again, all the exceptions in the world, but can we just all please admit that the reason we're all sinning so much is because we're quick to forgive ourselves and rationalize
1: our behavior and like here's why all, here's all the reasons why my yes doesn't have to be yes it's right. just not a good pattern to be in right. anyway that was my that was my controversial opinion um i know <laughs> i know that life is hard and i know that there's extenuating circumstances and you shouldn't be policing other people's on-timeness have a great day um right you don't
0: need to start keeping a log
1: No, please don't keep a log. Please. Sally was
0: five minutes late and then you like add all that up at the end and you like give them a grade. (laughs) If you're doing that, I'd like to talk to you about the overall state of your home because that seems like you'd be spending a lot of time. It's not going great. (laughs) Things are not going great. Don't grade your friends. It's a good way to enjoy relationships more. (laughs) Don't grade
1: your friends. Amen. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's, that's me. That's my controversial thought for the um, day. <laughs> I have no controversial oh, thank goodness. thought <sighs> okay. other than
0: that I heard in an ad um, the Hallmark Channel has rebranded February as Love youary.
1: No. I and I'm just am not like, participating.
0: I'm like, February's already... No. Like, were we not associating February enough with <laughs> Valentine's Day? It's the Fe- February... February may as well just be February fourteenth, right? Yeah, it's so short, pretty much, that it just flies. Yes, it flies by. Yes, and the only thing that anyone like it's Valentine's Day. notable date. That's it. And so it's like, what well, mm-hmm. part of you is like, well, but will they know <sighs> what our campaign is about? Will they know it's about love? We know. A, it's February. B, you're the Hallmark Channel. What else have you contributed? <laughs> Nothing. Anyway, love you. Happy Love Uary, everyone. (laughs) Love Uary. I'm out of here. I quit. (laughs) Ew. And then um, after Love Uary comes
1: St. Patrick's Uary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the month of March. Like, okay. If something bad is going to happen to me, it usually happens (laughs) in in March. March.
0: Well, I was born in March, so at I would say end, though, in doesn't general. Count. Is it ge- the end? <laughs> this doesn't count. In general, the best thing that could have ever happened to me <laughs> happened I in, March. in March.
1: Yeah, when the, I was supposed to be born in March and right. then I wasn't. That's right. Maybe March has been mad at me ever since. <laughs> it Was just like, forget her. Fine, she skipped us. <laughs> January, she left us for January. <laughs> I was fine though. Don't worry about me. Okay. Well, yes. <laughs> Just uh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> people, people are like, are like that. Explains yeah, it. Yeah, they're like she's oh. not fine. And now I understand. She was a premature baby. <laughs> she did not get enough oxygen. At you birth. were. <laughs> hey, guess what, you guys?
0: In case you had any questions, <laughs> Summer does not struggle with lateness.
1: <laughs> she is s- so early. Such
0: an early bird. <laughs>
1: it's bad I'm actually I have a problem the other direction to be completely honest with you guys Um, I try so hard to be on time but because I over prepare I'm usually too early Um, I tried to be at Joy's house at 1140 today I was like 1140 is the time that
0: Mm -hmm. I need to be there
1: so I pulled up at 1129 because (laughs) yeah yeah which I knew
0: I knew, and I knew when I got the message that was like, "What's your gate code?
1: What's
0: help? I need help." (laughs) It wasn't because you were like, "I just need the gate code." You were like, "I'm late. You're making me late."
1: I was like, "I'm going to make someone else late in that parking spot." Is because there was a car behind me, and I was like, "I'm making this person late. Like I'm the reason why they're going to be late." And I can't remember the skate Look, code. If
0: you tell me March, I'll be like, "Oh, January. January okay, I'll be
1: there." <laughs> it's a problem. It's a real. It's a real problem. I don't know how to be on time. So You're normally, <laughs> yeah. So what I plan on doing is just like being early and not expecting anything from anybody, right? Because I know I'm gonna have to sit there for ten, fifteen minutes, right? And, like, that's when I scroll. I'm just like, yeah, this is my good scroll time. time to look at Twitter, read your Bible, yeah. whatever, you know, I don't message need, that friend. I don't need everybody to be early. I just need to chill out. But it's very hard. <laughs> it's very difficult.
0: I feel like even if ladies can't um, resonate with that when it comes to time, <laughs> we can all resonate in some way.
1: Some way. Just need to chill out. There, I need to chill out about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I need to be willing to show up on time. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like I had to be somewhere yesterday at three, and I was like, if I walk in at three, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. So the chill out. Chill out summer. All right. Um We're working can... on that. We're working I'm on working chilling on out it. Here. You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. You can join our fun book club at patreon.com slash sheologians. If you don't like Patreon and you just want to support us, you can do that at sheologians.com. Thanks. Um, what else do we need to tell him? We've got a shop. You don't like feminism. Is this series really reminding you how much you hate feminism? <laughs> Excellent. We've got the t-shirt. It's at shop I think that's, uh,
0: I think I'm going to try to do a women's month design for the oh. shop.
1: Sounds like fun. What would you put on and I'm it? I'm just that- announcing that here. Yeah.
0: Okay. I already know exactly what's gonna go on it. Ooh. But I'll tell you.
1: I associate uh Women's Month with the color purple. Okay. Which we don't really have a lot of in the shop. We did get purple in the in one of the feminism is poison designs. Right. I really like mm-hmm. that purple. Yes. That's a good it's purple. A nice purple. Uh but yeah, women's month is purple on their website. That's right. I always forget about that. Yeah.
0: Everyone has a color now.
1: Everyone has a color.
0: But I think other people are purple too, right? People? How do you know? Like other people <laughs> representing other things.
1: Evil. <laughs> like, aren't there? Oh, yeah, There's sure. only,
0: <clears throat> so like shades. There's like a bunch of shades yeah. of purple.
1: Yeah. Es- essentially. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I already gave you the voice like, number. like, no,
0: we're lavender, not purple. <laughs> Bless their
1: hearts. <laughs> All right. Well, do we—I don't think that's it. We're th- yeah. we will have some new shirts, um, I guess soon. I—I'm yeah. Ask I should you probably get this. working on that. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you so many questions when we're not recording. It's not a, a yeah. I'm
0: thinking it's totally doable. Okay. And then I'd like to have another different thing for Mother's Day ish.
1: That seems like okay. something
0: we should have a new design for, right? Yeah. Like kind of
1: a springy. I think that's a great idea. Let's do it.
0: All right. Cool. Well, now you guys know. You're up to date, and you can ask us about it. Just kidding. Don't. Just wait for us. <laughs> Just don't. We'll, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. Don't we worry. We promise
1: we'll tell you. <laughs> It'll be fine. Everything's fine. Um.
0: Okay. So we're on the second part of our second wave. We are.
1: Um, Oops, I titled that wrong on the website. I'm going to fix that now while you're talking. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> um, and now it's my turn. Yes. And, man, the second waivers, they're an interesting bunch. But I really... Can I just tell you, this was a hard thing for me to put together. Because I feel like the second waivers are all very similar. hmm Like, mm-hmm. a lot of them even, like, went to the same colleges <laughs> and stuff like
1: that. They did.
0: And ran in the same circles. So I didn't want to tell you guys mm-hmm. the Betty Friedan story again. Right. Though I do think Betty Friedan was, if, of all the second waivers, like, she was the one. She was, like, a template. We really needed to tell her.
1: Template? I said that weird. Template. I think
0: it can be said either way. No. But you may... Template. It can still be weird if you say template, but you...
1: Oh, that was awful. Template. I'm never... (laughs) You tried it. You
0: didn't like it. No. (laughs) You're a template kind of person.
1: Not going back. Okay.
0: (laughs) But yeah, so I struggled to find the right person Mm -hmm. to fill this episode. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to just like say the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, Sure. But yeah, so... I ended up picking someone who was a feminist during the second wave, Perfect. and I don't know that she's ever been officially titled as a second wave feminist.
1: Oh, but okay. she
0: totally meets the criteria. Okay. Um. So yeah.
1: Okay. And we kind
0: of already talked about her a little bit oh, indirectly. Great. Very indirectly. So I picked Arlie Hochschild.
1: You're going to have to tell me all about this person. So she was born in
0: 1940 in Boston. Okay. She was the daughter of a diplomat. And she grew up like traveling all around. She lived in Israel, Ghana, New Zealand, all over the place. How do you spell Arlie? A-R-L-I-E. Okay. I looked it up because I was like, is that short for something? It's not. It's just a name. It's It's just a name that's not very common obviously but but yeah Arlie Um, so she was born Arlie Russell and then married later Hochschild Hochschild
1: phew you have to spell that one for me too (laughs) it's
0: H-O-C-H S-C-H-I-L-D
1: okay was she Jewish
0: I think she may have been okay okay or her husband may have been. Her husband would have been. That's her married name. Right. Talk okay. child is her married name. Okay. Um, but I don't
1: Russell. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. She was Carrie Russell's great grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, not great, I guess. Just regular grandma. <laughs> She's still alive, <laughs> yeah. so Wow, okay.
0: okay. Anyway. Well, let me get back to the I'll get back to the actual confirmed details of her
1: story. Did you guys know that I'm really bad at math? Because I am <laughs> okay. <laughs> My grandparents were born
0: in the '30s. <laughs> My dad was born in 1942. So, like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <sighs> So she would go on to graduate college in 1962, and then she went to Berkeley Ooh. to get her M.A. and her Ph.D. Didn't they And all? then she uh, taught in the sociology department of Berkeley. Okay. Um, so she has retired, but she maintains that uh, prof- professor, I don't even know how to pronounce this word, emerita? I've seen it a bunch. It's like emeritus but. when it's a man, but oh. emerita when it's a woman, it's basically like... We probably don't honor- do that anymore. It's like they don't they don't teach there anymore, but they they left the yeah they left the school in good standing, so, so they're they still, still have like, that honor. Yeah, they yeah. get that title. Um, she also has been awarded honorary doctorates like all over the world. Okay. Um, specifically, one from Harvard. I figured that would be kind of a notable thing, and that was actually in twenty twenty one.
1: Okay,
0: so her work is widely. Used and she's considered the founder of the sociology of emotion. Great. Super influential. This lady. Okay. Okay. So I don't have a ton of information about her life. We're just going to kind of get into her two main works. And just kind of discuss. Okay. So... In 1979, she wrote a book called The Managed Heart. All right. So basically, I mean, any interview that you read or watch of hers, um, she is very interested in emotion uh-huh. and considers it. I mean, obviously, we've done episodes on emotion. Um <laughs> I'm not saying we're the same as her. That's not what I meant by that. We're practically sociologists here at Sheologians. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, We're not. But um, she was always very interested. I think maybe part of that came from the fact that she traveled around. And when she was young, like, saw a lot of diversity in cultures and...
1: How people behave. Right. Yeah.
0: So she became super interested in basically, like, emotion emotion is is just it's an important part of our thinking just like logic is, even though logic is more tied to thinking, thinking as like, opposed to feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um so the main there's a few obviously it's an entire book. So we're just gonna kind of distill this into the few points that she was trying to make. So the big thing, and you may have even heard this term used recently, but she coined the term emotional labor.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that's a big one today, isn't it? Yes. Okay.
0: So in her words, it can be defined as labor that requires us to suppress our feelings and ensure that they are appropriate for a particular personal or professional setting. So this is a little bit different from what she coined as emotional work okay because there's plenty of emotional work to be done but (laughs) emotional labor involves like the unpleasant suppression of your feelings given your circumstances she focused a lot on like flight attendants because the because she had a very interest and you know it's all very interesting she uh she talked about how flight attendants—it's not just like a customer service job. You correlate the pleasantness, like if a if a flight attendant comes out of the little their little area and they're like stressed and panicked and all this stuff, it's not just going to be like she's not very good at customer service. You're going to be like, Something's is wrong. a plane crashing? <laughs> so she talked about basically. Like the emotional labor involved in managing your emotions in a professional setting. Um, So, yeah, so a lot of it involved like societal or corporate constructs that train you which emotions are appropriate and where
1: well that's so interesting because nowadays whenever i hear about emotional labor it's mostly about like wives and mothers right having to do all the emotional labor in the home yes. so that's super interesting
0: she does she has said in recent interviews that she does think people are kind of misunderstanding the her definition between emotional work and emotional labor um but you know she's a sociologist so she also says all definitions are Fluid. Are open to being yeah. expanded and all that stuff. Right. Um, so, uh, So part of her conclusion is that this turns our emotions into a commodity. And emotions are something we sell as an effort to get what we want personally or professionally. And she also concludes when one person has a higher status than another, it becomes acceptable to both parties for the bottom dog to contribute more. In this way. Okay. Um, So she also determines that women are indeed better at emotional labor, but have had to rely on it (laughs) as an equalizer because they were reliant on men for money and employment. So society says that women should be nicer and more pleasant. And so they need to do that even more because their employer, their employers will be like, well, you're not being very nice.
1: Yes, women tend to be more agreeable, and we should be more agreeable. Yeah. Uh, yes. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, but she's, she's saying this has created... A problem. A problem. It is a problem. Imbalance.
1: It was an imbalance, because when women joined the workforce, that did create an imbalance. She's right about that, too. Yes.
0: So just so you know, and just so you guys aren't confused until we get to the end... I agree with a lot of the yes. things she observed. Yeah. Um, and that's why I picked her. Right. Because we're going to take a little... Right. We're going to do a little lesson at the end on pragmatism. Yeah. And why Christians shouldn't be feminists. Well, we
1: often think that the feminists were right about their observations. We just disagree on what their... Whether or not it was a problem and what their solution right. was. Yes. Um, okay. So...
0: Here's a quote from the book. The emotion work of enhancing your status and well-being is what called Ivan Illich, which is a, someone who she yeah. refers to quite a bit in the book, calls shadow labor shadow. an unseen effort. Oh. Similar to how housework doesn't quite count as labor, but is crucial for living, um, women's emotional work often goes unnoticed as if it doesn't take any effort at all. So basically her point is that because the the world is driven by men, mm-hmm. there is this very unique and undervalued service that women are providing, but because men can't understand it as well, it goes unnoticed or it's actually um, like used to create the imbalance.
1: Well, I mean, I feel like that goes both ways. You know, I'll never know what it's like to labor Go work a construction job for right. 12 hours I'll a day. I'll never know what it's like to labor as a man and a man will never know what it's like to labor at me like me. So well I think that's so a pretty what?
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's a pretty um that's a really uh that's something we've even mentioned previously which is that all this all this feminist writing and rhetoric mm. and the nar- the whole narrative involves this sort of like shutting your eye or like putting this blinder up mm. to like well are men experiencing that too right in order to create a victim and in order yeah. for women to really be a marginalized group we have to sort of ignore anything
1: that affects like men like negatively. Ignore- right yeah yeah
0: um and that's why they focus on career mm. career and like career outside of the home Mm. and training outside of the home the way that they do, because they see like what men are doing as like this ultimate Mm. freedom because they've been all given all the freedoms in the world from society. But, but that society isn't who gave them their role as men.
1: Yeah. Well, her observation, the one that you just said was really interesting and partially true, but also partially wrong because men don't, I don't forget what the verb was, but like basically saying they make the world go round Or like they move the world, they're whatever, they set the Mm -hmm. tone. And it's like, no, it's men and women. It's right. It's all of humanity, right? Which is men and women Mm -hmm. that and and men
0: are men are expected to manage their emotions. Yeah. And if they don't, there are consequences for men. There are consequences for men that don't manage their emotions. Right. Um, just because Sometimes there haven't been consequences, Doesn't just like that... there haven't always been consequences for women. Uh, there is a visible very, ones. There anyway. is a very convenient, just forgetfulness. Yeah, um, of of this whole other <clears throat> side of this thing. Yeah, um, that because it's not pertinent to the point that feminists are trying to make, and if anything, it's not only not pertinent; it's dismantles it. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> okay, so. So she also, she cites, I mean, the these books are full of research and I, she's not doing a horrible job of proving her point. I just think she's wrong. <laughs> um, right. We'll get to that. So, um, oh man, where was I just at? Okay. 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 So she cites several studies that acknowledge that women in general are expected to be nicer and warmer. So even, I guess she, like she's, She's not ignoring men in this time at this point because she cites a study of like professors, I think. Mm. And it's students having to go into some study where they had students go in and ask a professor Mm -hmm. a question. Mm -hmm. And there was an expectation for the female instructors that they would be nicer.
1: Um, Yeah. You should, in general, expect that. Um, Men are full of this um, hormone called testosterone. It makes them more aggressive and blunt. Right. And their brains are wired to just be, like, direct and to the point. Um, We need that (laughs) in the world. Um, We also need women who are less blunt and more agreeable and tend to... Agreed. Yeah. That's all good stuff. (laughs) She also also said
0: that jobs... Involving emotional labor comprise over a third of all jobs, but they form only a quarter of all jobs that men do, and over half of all jobs that women do. And I think that it makes sense that women would join fields that this is all according to nature. <laughs> yes, that that would like it make it totally makes sense that women would choose a field yeah. that plays to their strengths, yeah, and that appeals to them. This is not a problem. Yeah. (laughs) But it is.
1: Honestly, do we want fields that require high emotional labor being dominated by men? (laughs) Do we want that? I don't.
0: I don't. Anyway. So um, all this to say, she argues that equality cannot exist here. It cannot exist in (laughs) the workplace, in the career outside of the home. And that's not okay, oh, um, so women have to you women um must use their emotions to get ahead. Uh, but then the world views women's emotions as less valid. Mm. And she cites a bunch of studies about, um, obviously in the workplace, seeking medical care. she mm. she cites a study where, um, like men were more likely to receive medical care with the same
1: list of symptoms mm. as women. Um, well, honestly, because if a man starts complaining about something, <laughs> it's probably broken, <laughs> you know? Like, unless he has a cold, in which case he right. probably just has allergies. <laughs> but everything else, it's probably a really big problem. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> I love these observations so much. I'm sorry. They're all just mostly true. They're true. And not problematic but at like, all. Okay. Yeah.
0: We're going <laughs> to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So additionally, they're expected to play two roles. Women are expected to play two roles. So women are expected to be the loving wife and the domestic and they are the caregiver. Yes. And then they're also expected to be this like controlled professional
1: career woman. No.
0: <laughs> so conclusion of yeah. the managed heart
1: <clears throat> the managed heart is the book yes okay
0: more emotional labor and emotional management is required for women in society it, lar- it largely goes unnoticed meanwhile their emotions are dismissed more readily especially in the workplace they have the title and company policy backing their authority to enforce but aren't taken seriously so, despite more emotional labor, women are taken less seriously, or their work is seen as less important. Okay, which creates this disparity. There's no mm-hmm. equality in the workplace mm-hmm. for men and women. Yeah, and that's a problem. Is it for her? It is. I
1: mean, I don't want to be treated like for a man. her. It is,
0: that's. I mean, this is the whole the reason I picked her because she is a second wave feminist, though she's not. You won't probably won't find her name in in the ranks. But the whole point of the first wave. Was voting the second mm-hmm. wave was really getting women into the workforce mm-hmm. and completing that like revolutionary thought, mm-hmm. and so they're in there now. Mm-hmm. And then she publishes this in 1979 and she's like, It's but we're still not done yet. Obviously, the revolution's not over because, like,
1: yeah, well, that's an, it. Will never, if, if the revolution is equality, it will never come to pass because right. we are not the same, right? Men and women are not the same. We never will be. We could never pretend to be sufficiently. And I think something people underestimate is that men and women in the workplace, the way that we're in the modern sense, is an experiment. It's still new. Right. Like we don't have a ton of data on this. Okay. We have tons of we have all of human history to tell us about things like birth and pregnancy and all kinds of things you know how the wheel works okay we've got like thousands of years we've got like four or five solid decades on men and women in the same workplace and how that goes doing the same jobs like we don't know a lot but it's interesting how obvious it is that it's not equal. Right. People are mad about it. Right. But what's the assumption? Like The assumption is that it can be equal. Or that it should be. Yeah. But, like, I mean, sorry. By and what the standard? assumption is that
0: it should be because a career outside of the home is the most validating and
1: important thing you can do. Mm.
0: Yeah. And that's not
1: even true for men. It's not, no. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know very not. few men that are like, oh, my job is the most important thing I have.
0: And even even a man who goes out and has his dream job. Yeah. Do you think he would be pressed to pick his job or his wife? Yeah. Most men who go to their job every day are they're not like I want to leave my kids and my wife every I can't day wait. so that I can go <laughs> do this thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's just very interesting. So the other uh, book that I'm going to talk about of hers, she uh, published in 1989 and it's called the second shift. Oh yeah.
1: Wait, didn't I just mention that?
0: Yeah. So we had talked about, okay. Well, Cause the second shift
1: in yeah. general
0: was a term used for, that's right. But she was the one
1: she coined it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very interesting.
0: So, um, Berkeley, right. mm-hmm. big, important, flashy school. Yep. At one point, during her tenure there, allowed her to bring one of her sons to work with her to nurse and care for him. Um, But she was confused as to why none of the men in the sociology department at Berkeley had their children with them.
1: (laughs) I mean, why do you need their kids to be with them? Just because yours is.
0: Why are none of you guys nursing your children (laughs) right now? I don't get it. (laughs) Nursing. nursing your children.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just self-explanatory. So yeah. Right.
0: Um, so this spurred the thought that to quote her directly, one reason that half the lawyers, doctors, business people are not women is because men do not share the raising of their children and the caring of their homes.
1: Not in the exact same way. No.
0: So this inspired the second shift. Mm-hmm. So her and her research assistant, Anna Machung, I don't know how to, the, I, Anna Machung. Yeah. Um don't totally know the proper pronunciation of that last name. You're but, fine. Um, it's okay. Uh, interviewed <clears throat> 50 double-careered parent, families in the San Francisco Bay Area for several years investigating the division of labor in families where both parents are working. So she determines that even working women Tend to still perform the majority of the domestic work and parenting roles. And many times her, her, her background for this is that because like those old school societal roles are still in place, um, hmm. she says that many times because the husband appears to be working, he he still appears to be working harder or providing more. Hmm. Because those little constructs like still have their fingers on Mm them. Um, so he still appears to be working harder or providing more, even in instances where he makes less money or works less hours. Um, and so, and also because of this societal impression, a man's leisure time is still considered more important than a woman's, even in instances where she is working just as much or more than him. Right. Um, So, even though in some cases she is working equal or more hours, we've determined that this is somehow more... What does that say? Did that copy-paste right? No, that can't be a sentence. Sorry.
1: I have a thought. Okay. So, I think a lot of what we're discussing traces back to the loss of the household holding its primary place in society as the place where like as a cornerstone of society like the household because the household is no longer viewed as a cornerstone of society like because everything has become corporate and outsourced it's almost like our sociology has not caught up with our economy meaning well I think some of it was purposeful I think having uh two parent household with two income earners has done a lot for our government in terms of making a lot more uh, money off of us, because instead of taxing Taxing. (laughs) one person, you're taxing two. Um, so I do think that was purposeful. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, just, there's this, there seems to be like, she's talking about this idea that like women's work is not valued, whether it's the emotional labor or the household labor. Um, but it's really the household that's not valued. Uh, And we... The important
0: work doesn't happen there.
1: Right. The thought of basically what you do in life that matters is something that happens once you leave the house. Right. Right? And so this is a very... That is not how society functioned before. No. I mean, even just if you talk about education... Most people our age, the thought of education happening at home is just so backwards and foolish. Whereas for most of human history, that's where it did happen. Right. You know, and for most of human history, whatever your dad did, that's you were raised doing it alongside him. You became his helper very young. Yeah. um, And that's what your family Or someone else's. And that's what you did.
0: If you were going into a different (laughs) trade. Right. You didn't go off to college. You don't go, you didn't go to Berkeley. Right. You You, like went to their house
1: (laughs) (laughs) to learn how to do it. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about um, Mary Shelley and uh, Godwin, Mm -hmm. her father. Well, who did Percy, Percy Shelley didn't go to the school that Godwin was teaching at. He went to Godwin's home to learn from him. That Mm -hmm. was, so I think for you and I, the question for us isn't, can women work outside the home? We believe that they can, The question becomes, if you look at, you and I would reject the 1950s housewife as the ideal standard of womanhood in so many ways. We would also reject the career woman who has nothing to do with her home. But if you really want to look at the Proverbs 31 woman, everything that she did, including her financial enterprises, was very much entwined with her home, it was very think, much a part. of... Do you think of...
0: there was some wisdom in knowing that she couldn't do everything?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, women. So that's the thing. Have it's been like, having a hard time trying to do everything, right? So, and that's her.
0: That's what she is saying, basically, in this book. Mm-hmm. Is that like women can't do everything? We can't just continue to do everything. Well,
1: them's the facts. But so, <laughs> but
0: here's the thing: is is like, what if it's not a social construct? What if it is how things are? Yeah. What if it is how the way things are supposed to be, and so when a woman goes and starts working forty hours a week, you are putting her in an impossible situation, right? Because she is, she is not going to full, feel the pull from a societal construct. Mm-hmm. She is going to feel the pull from her very insides. Right. To want to be home with her children, to want to take care of things and create order in the house. Right. But then you have simultaneously taught her that the only really truly productive thing she can do is leave her home, go work for somebody else and try to do the most amazing thing she can possibly do that validates her soul. Right. So she has this pull towards one thing Yeah. and then you're telling her because of because of an actual societal construct, you have told her she should have this pull over here and you tell, and you told her that long enough to where she believed it. Yeah. And now she is forced mm-hmm. stuck mm-hmm. doing too. Mm-hmm. I also agree that that is a great injustice, not for the same reason this person does. Right. It's does. not for the same reasons.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So it's like we, <laughs> you see in scripture, uh, the woman that is lauded in Proverbs she does have enterprises right. that are not within the four walls of her home however they are very they are for the building up and edification of her home right so then the question becomes can you have this 9 to 5 extremely demanding job and also fulfill the extremely demanding job that is building up of your household and you know obviously some women Single mothers, things like that—they aren't in the position, right. to not do these things. And we do believe that God will provide, and that everything God is sovereign over that right. as well. But normative—we're talking about things right. that are normative, yes. Um. Yeah. You're. You're in. And then on top of that, all this kind of talk about like why can't things be equal? My question is like, do you do you want to be treated like a man? You might be convinced that you do, but right. one thing that I'm really loving that i see all over the internet is this joke because there have been all these like storms back east oh yeah Mm -hmm. and it's just like women keep whether it's a tweet or an instagram or a tiktok or whatever they joke about the quote-unquote feminism leaving their body when it's time to shovel snow or Mm -hmm. like i feel the feminism leaving my body when it's time to and it's all these like physical demanding well
0: my husband is a man camp this weekend. And so that means when you came and picked me up today, what did you, oh I have to do? Oh my gosh, it
1: was awful. I couldn't. <laughs> what did I have to do? What did you see? This poor woman, you guys, <laughs> she was taking out the trash. Oh, man. Come on. I'm so sorry. Life, <laughs> man, that's rough. I will probably also have to get water. Oh no. <laughs> no. That's awful. Um, anyway, for those of so... you that are
0: curious, you do not drink Phoenix tap water. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We if don't. you heard me say that and you're like, why wouldn't you just do you? No, just don't bless do that. you. I'm so happy for you.
1: <laughs> so happy, and I don't even
0: mean that in any sort. I'm not like enjoy your tap water. If you
1: are allowed to drink your tap water, enjoy it. Bless you. Dr- drink <laughs> a cup for me. I, I saw this video. <laughs> A couple of days ago of this mom and she just like took her baby's bottle over to the sink and <gasps> turned on the sink and just like filled it up before she put the formula in and I was like <gasps> and then I was like oh she lives like way she just up lives north. somewhere nice she just <laughs> lives somewhere else that anyway. hasn't been poisoned anyway <laughs> Okay <sighs> all of
0: that to say All right sorry Okay um yeah I also thought I did think it was interesting that like in I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting that something she didn't really talk about was like women are just so much more likely to have the desire to take care of these things even after they've worked 40 hours. Yes. Like she didn't (laughs) talk about how, like she made it seem like the fact that women are taking on these roles has nothing to do with their desire. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with their man's like inability to do a refusal to help. Mm -hmm. So then she has to out of necessity, take care of these things. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's a little inaccurate because there are going to be things when you work hard that you really do have to do because you're like, if I don't have any clean underwear tomorrow, how (laughs) am I going to get to my nine to five? (laughs) Cause I really need that. Right. So some things are out of necessity, but it's like, is there something naturally desirable yeah. About the order of a household to a woman. Y- uh absolutely. Yes. If
1: yes. you've spent if you've been married for 30 seconds, you've already learned this. Right. I don't care yes. who you are. Throw pillows. I mean salt lamp. Throw pillows. <laughs> just just that's enough. Our point diffuser,
0: essential oil diffuser.
1: Our point has been proven. Uh dressers, hanging up clothes. <laughs> how about that? I mean, just how about that idea? A woman A came bed up with... frame at all. <laughs> A, a bed woman frame came up all. with that. <laughs> Furniture that can't fold in on itself. <laughs> also, a man made it, but only because a woman asked for it. Like, that's the only reason we're not all sitting in folding chairs right now. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and I'm you know so what? I'm so happy for thankful. that cooperation. Me yes, too. Yeah,
0: me too. Very and you know what? I'm for thankful that. for
1: that man that was like, oh, you want a couch that isn't metal and folds in on itself? <laughs> right. I will figure out how to build this. <laughs> If only you'll marry me and bear my children. <laughs> it all works okay. out great. all right. Because <laughs> you know what? I can do that. I can't build a couch. Just a thought. No, I
0: can't build a couch. Or either.
1: any anything, really. A human? Sure. I can fold clothes. Done it. <laughs> Done it. <laughs> <laughs> Done it a few times. Doing it. <laughs> Doing it right now. <laughs> so tired. Can't do math.
0: <laughs> um. Okay, so she also points out, of course, that more affluent groups are more able to outsource parenting and domestic duties by paying someone else to do them. So we need to keep in mind that lower-income women are more taxed by the second shift. And we also need to keep in mind that the array of goods and services available to us through capitalism trap us into a lifestyle expectation that requires more work. She does She wrote another book, in, uh, published another book in 97 called The Time Bind, which kind of gets more into her it's a lot more, like, anti-capitalist, but it talks about, like, okay. outsourcing and kind of what it, she talked about in The Managed uh, the managed Heart, where she talks about, like, your emotions becoming kind of like a commodity, like, that you sell. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to get into that one, but... Um, So here's a few more quotes for you. So in a market society where paid work is generally valued more than domestic endeavor, the lowest common denominator of compromise is typically that both spouses allow each other to become more careerist rather than sharing more time at home especially for the professional classes. Um, it is the office that promises the traditionally male prerequisites of career status, exhilaration, money, and collegial respect while domestic life offers whining children and menial chores.
1: I mean, you can be mad about it all you want. Right.
0: I, I specifically included <laughs> this quote because that's really your perspective. Yeah. Like if you're unhappy yeah. um, with those roles, it's because you are comparing them to something else you're comparing these you're um allowing bitterness to seek and to sink into your heart by comparing it to what yeah the non-domestic is doing and and saying that that is more fulfilling and like like what kind of a suggestion would it be Mm -hmm. to most of the workforce in this Mm -hmm. country right now to say like well, you just get to leave your house every day, and you're just free to, like, do whatever you want, and you just, like, have the best time ever.
1: Right. I don't, and it's more but, validating.
0: Right. Is your, jo- is your job validating? I feel like most people now would be like, no. no, my job is not validating. I do it
1: for the paycheck. Right. And, you know, question. Is your CEO going to be beside you when you take your last breath?
0: Some people have not gotten that far. I mean, I Unfortunately, just... I don't... Like, honestly they haven't thought about it. I don't think people have thought about what they're going to do. Yeah. This is, this is, you may not want to hear this, but I think there are people that haven't thought about what they're going to do when they're just not cute anymore. Yeah. Right. Like when, Mm -hmm. when your good looks are no longer, um, propelling the the promiscuity of your life, Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. are you going to do? I don't think many people have answered this question. Yeah. And this is the problem with a y- bunch of young, foolish people having no one wise to guide them.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's just been so trendy for so long to be like, I don't really like people. I just like my dog. And it's like right. the fruit of that at the end of your life is you, the best you can hope for is dying old and alone.
0: Yeah, Man. Do we think we have a mental health epidemic now?
1: Yeah. So many of my friends, (laughs) so many of my friends that I went to high school with, they've never gotten married still because, and not because they couldn't have, right, but because they don't believe in marriage. right. And, you know, you and I, like we're in our thirties, like 10 years from now, our peers aren't all going to be pregnant and having babies. Now I understand there are women that have children in their forties, whatever, but by and large in 10 years, like... If you haven't had children yet, you have likely missed your window. And I know that that's like, and the thing is, is like, when you have chosen that for yourself, when you were like, no, I'm going to say no to that. Right. I'm not open to that. I don't want that. You can't go back in time. And
0: here's the thing. Because it's not a social construct, you will want to.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not an old timey patriarchal uh, construct that is impressed upon you. Having children is natural mm-hmm. and normal and mm-hmm. wanting children is natural and normal. Mm-hmm. And for the Christian is faithful and obedient. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the people who want to have them and don't. Mm-hmm. But even wanting the desire is and natural, natural and, and normal. normal. The United broken. States
1: did not create that. Mm-mm. Stop. Yeah. Shh. You're not broken for wanting that. You're not broken for wanting that. Mm-mm. And obviously, yes, the church should c- take care of the orphan and the widow. But the idea that we have a generation of women who have chosen right. fruitlessness, right. who have killed their offspring, yes. who have, you know. And then I, I know people who, because of our wicked healthcare system, were put on birth control Yes. The second they turned 13 mm-hmm. because they were told their cramps were too bad yep. or whatever else mm-hmm. and totally ruined their ability to have children yes. because extended use of hormonal birth mm-hmm. control wrecks your hormones, mm-hmm. wrecks your system, and now they are at an age where they want children and they can't get pregnant. Right. Because some doctor right. 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. told them Oh, you don't like the cramps that you get, or oh, your cycle isn't perfectly regulated. Let's put you on birth control. Right, and now they're looking at a biologically childless future, mm-hmm. and it's wicked. Yep, it's totally wicked. Yes, don't put your kids on birth control. <laughs>
0: yes, please don't do that. Um, okay, so uh, this if you're was on from birth control. Get off of it. This okay. was from a. Uh, a New York times article that some guy wrote about it in 1989, read about her book. Uh, so this is a quote from that. And I'll kind of talk about what she meant and then we can kind of wrap it up and give her okay. final thoughts here. Except for I just closed out of my notes. Why did I do that? <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah, this was in a 1989 um, New York times article about the second shift. Um, so the stalled revolution. Ms. Of course, Ms. Mrs. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Hawkschild <laughs> Ms. Hawkschild concludes yields an appreciation gap in which both men and women justifiably feel they are making sacrifices that are not being appreciated by their mates. Appreciation being the practical currency of love, misunderstandings and deep hurts over the second shift, thus erode the marriage bond. So basically she concluded it was a tragedy for everyone. And she used the term, but she still used the term stalled revolution. She said that we had revolutionized society enough because women were in okay. the workforce. So it's like, okay, so it worked. The, so like the spark that was necessary for change has happened, but then the application is stalled and salt like causing problems for people and marriages and families. Um, and she also observes that the children in these families are not pitching in because the parents do not have the time or emotional stamina to keep them accountable. Well, so basically she says this is horrible. Double working parents is horrible for our society. <laughs>
1: What was her solution? But it's
0: not because it, it's not because women shouldn't be working. It's because there needs to be more equality overall. She also does believe um she believes in a lot of, you know, like the uh sort of like Nordic, like shorter work days.
1: OK, yeah. Like in yeah.
0: those places. Because
1: the sun's only up for four hours there. <laughs> You guys, so they have like Come
0: more on. flexible full time hours. They have better benefits.
1: They have to hibernate. So all
0: of this is leading to <laughs> socialism. Just gonna go ahead and let you guys know the anti capitalist um, socialist so, utopia. Um, yeah, she's she's suggesting like an overhaul of our corporate structure that allows for men and women to both be working so that they can both attend to their children and both, um attend to domestic duties mm. um i don't think that's gonna help
1: because no, no.
0: uh there's still going to be one man out there that doesn't want to help fold the laundry and that's the all hill all feminists oh. will die on <laughs> if there is one man out there <laughs> he now becomes all men <laughs> Uh, that's kind of a, I mean, that just, that can, we just all agree that is a pattern in feminism that if one man does something that's not desirable, all men did it. Yeah. They all Um, did it. But so, uh, I, I just think it's so interesting. Again, I don't think I disagree with anything I've said. I obviously disagree with her worldview. Um, and she was 49 at the time that she published the second shift. And, um, so this is from that New York Times article again. She said, uh, he wrote after speaking with her, although both parents have flexible schedules and share equally in household chores, she said she has found it hard to work and raise her children. It took her eight years to write that book.
1: I mean, because she felt the
0: pull to not abandon her two sons
1: and good for her.
0: Right. And that's what I mean. Like, in a weird way, it proves that women can accomplish much, right? Working in their home, yeah. Like you're talking about Proverbs 31, like yeah, there there are endeavors of a woman. But it's not fair to look at a full time writer, mm-hmm. a man who gets to go into an office every day mm-hmm. and already has a contract or whatever, mm-hmm. and they want him to bust out that book in a in a year, mm-hmm. and it's like. Okay, so because it's going to take a woman eight years to write a book, does that mean that her contribution is not valid? Is that what you're saying? Because it took you eight years. Right. But you still felt like it was important enough to say and you were able to do it. And when you worked for Berkeley, they let you bring your child in.
1: Right. No, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities for women. And there's plenty
0: of people who are making, who are accommodating Mm -hmm. women. Yeah. I do think it's a good idea mm-hmm. for, I mean, especially in instances with single moms, you know, people who are
1: mm-hmm.
0: not really like this is not really what they would have picked. Right. <laughs> I think it's I think it is a, an amazing idea mm-hmm. for private businesses to decide privately mm-hmm. <laughs> that they should accommodate mm-hmm. certain people. Mm-hmm. More than others. Right. Which is not equal.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I think it's totally okay. <laughs> if you need special accommodation because you're a woman or a single mother, you're not asking for equality. Right. You're asking for special treatment. Right. And sometimes it's okay to ask for special treatment, sometimes that's perfectly fine. Right. And I do think that lots of companies actually make room for that. Yeah. Mine does. It's funny because uh, <laughs> the place I work does.
0: <laughs> I mean, they let me bring Georgia in, is what I'm saying. Right.
1: Um, I closed a window, and the next screen that popped up is an article from the Times, and the uh, title is "I'm 37, I might be single forever, and I'm happy with that." Right now, she is.
0: Right. And I haven't read. I haven't read the article, but a lot of people nowadays who say they're happy also say that they're very unhappy. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people that experience fleeting moments of happiness, plenty of people. And then, but I think looking around, we can admit that mostly what we're seeing are people who are posturing as though they're happy with their decisions because every once in a while they feel happy with their decisions.
1: So these these are the stats from this article. Nearly one in seven people in the UK will be living alone by 2039. How much? One in seven. Wow. 61% of single women say they are happy with their single relationship status. Listen, the single woman I know, it would not be 61%. Um. Oh, let's see. In the wake of COVID lockdowns, 13% of single Brits say they are not ready to be intimate again. Uh, 1 in 10 single Brits say they feel burned out by dating and that dating apps are to blame. Men are more likely than women to report feeling pressure to find a relationship. 71% of men say they feel this pressure compared with 58% of women. You know, I've been saying for a while, we've talked about this, that this whole, um, singleness is like the ultimate thing. Mm -hmm. Like the church is even saying that now, like the world is saying that the church is saying Mm -hmm. that. And it's like, yeah, because we all despise the household. none of us wants to live in submission to each other none of us want to do the emotional labor or the physical labor the men don't want the responsibility of the household the women don't want the responsibility of the household and we're all just telling ourselves that we're so happy being single meanwhile meanwhile if you start talking about the greatness of the household who gets the most mad right like the single people get really offended but they're so happy right so what's the problem? Right. Like, what is the problem? We're doing your thing. This things. is all just everyone denying nature. Yeah. It's just everyone right. denying nature everywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. To conclude on. I was just. I, I mean, I just. <laughs> Arlie Hochschild is not someone that I disagree with necessarily. And I don't believe her observations are incorrect. And there's a lot of observations that exist now that Mm -hmm. I don't believe are incorrect. Yeah. As we said. No. Um, But because of her worldview, she A, and I think this is a huge thing that we've touched on, confuses real problems and problems that arise due to her unbelief. Mm Mm-hmm. That is a huge issue we have with feminism is that the the problems they're trying to solve are mistaken. Like real problems are mistaken for problems of unfaithfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, B, she cannot logically defend her human entitlement to dignity or value or equality, um, which just simply leads to this. I can't agree with her. So even though I agree with her, I can't agree with her. Right. Her solution is pure equality, but, and so her solution cannot be inequality. Um, but when you're a Christian, you understand that not everything is equal. But right. God is sovereign. Right. It doesn't mean there aren't problems. And I don't think she's making up. And I don't think she's making up the stuff that we just talked about. Right. I don't think she's making it up. I think it makes sense that you'd be able to observe it very right. clearly. <laughs> right. um, But, uh, I also think the problems, I think a lot of the problems are caused by sin and I haven't found any disparity of sin amongst men versus women.
1: Right. Um, We tend to sin differently. In my 32 short years,
0: I have not, if I feel like, uh, men are more sinners versus women, that is usually because of a perspective of, I have chosen to take, um, because of some, feeling that I am currently dealing with Mm -hmm. or sin, as I would put it. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I think that the solution, so I like, I can't agree with her because I believe that the solution is a faithful return to the order of a husband and wife and to the household. Right. Um, And I believe that the solution is to continue marriage in faith knowing that your spouse is going to fail you, but that it's your job to continue in faith Mm -hmm. and trust them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously, depending on whether you're a husband or a wife, your role is a little bit different, but you're each given your own assignment of things to do that you need to do, whether you feel like it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And those things, we do those things in faith Mm -hmm. that, uh, that if we do have a problem with our spouse, God is working to sanctify them Right. and they won't continue in it forever. Right. And now that doesn't mean that you just allow abuse or horrible things or sin to continue in your relationship. But, um, but that's the, that isn't that the issue with, isn't that uh, whenever the world has an issue with the way God wants to do things, mm-hmm. that the things that he has said in his word, they're like, well, it's not working. And it's like, is your way working? Right. Is your way working perfectly? Right. Is it right? Is it because
1: it seems like things are going so Hawkshaw says great. it's not.
0: It's <laughs> not going the right way. It's destroying the family. Right. It's destroying marriages. Right.
1: Like she's admitting. She's admitting it. It's yeah. why I wanted to do her. The, um, the great, the great androgynous utopia doesn't exist. Right. And the f- yes. more we reach for it, the more foolish we are when we continue reaching for it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. It's just foolishness. The problems have been obvious, and that's and for that's a long time. Another reason why I wanted to do her is that, she, like, she can be right mm-hmm. so many times a day.
1: Mm-hmm. But her But that doesn't
0: mean I jump yeah. in her boat,
1: yeah,
0: um, and ride with her. I, like yeah. I don't think like you have to see this very clear divide mm-hmm. between the conclusions that we've come to and just so you know ultimately based off of what she's written recently and in the interviews she's given recently mm-hmm. she believes that if people are just willing to like talk and communicate and be curious about the beliefs of others in an empathetic way um mm-hmm. this creates more like connection between human individuals. What? And so I don't know if that means that ultimately she thinks they'll just be won over by her conduct.
1: Um, no. Okay. Um,
0: but what she's basically, I mean, that's just kind of like, she believes all this. She believes all the stuff that left-leaning people believe. Yeah. I, I gave you, she has written more than right. what we discussed. Sure. Of course. I gave you the things that were more in line with her second wave views and her second wave contribution. But um, we don't believe the same thing. Yeah. We can observe the same thing. Yeah. But this is why Christians don't need to be feminists. Right. Because of what I just said. Right. She denies fundamentally that has anything to do with sin. Right. And so she can't solve it. Right. In order to jump in her boat i have to pretend as though we can solve these issues right. by not addressing sin yep. and i fundamentally don't <laughs> believe that so there is no pragmatic not even a pragmatic one there is no pragmatic mm-hmm. or efficiency thing mm-hmm. happening between christianity and feminism there mm-hmm. is not a connection unless you are making it mm-hmm. and it's it's but it's not there right you're making it it's not there Right. There is absolutely no reason for me. I I can be nice mm-hmm. to Arlie. Mm-hmm. I can say, "Hey, you observe some pretty interesting things." Right. I can have questions for her. Sure. I can like we can talk and be climb over that wall as she, yeah, you know, suggests. Yeah, um, but that it it will not make
1: mm-hmm.
0: our conclusions the same. It will not make right. our worldviews the same. Right.
1: This is what we have in common with a lot of social justice. Right. This is true of any social justice position where it's like sometimes it correctly observes things and we can agree that it's a problem sometimes. Right. Uh, Sometimes it observes things and we wouldn't agree that it's a problem. But a lot of times we would agree it's a problem where we differ is what do you do? As a result. Right. What is the root of the problem? Where is the problem coming from? And if you can't diagnose those things properly, which I would argue you can't do outside of God and scripture and what he said, then you don't have a solution that is going to work. You only have a solution that's going to create a new problem or more problems Mm -hmm. or
0: even worse problems than before. Right. Um, Or even if you somehow solve every problem and you achieve this utopia. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It will be for you. Yeah, for you. It'll be made up, imaginary. Right. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) Well.
0: That's Arlie. That's Arlie. I've never heard of her before. But yeah, she's very, I mean, a very impressive, very, very influential, um, as you can see, especially now. Right. So she felt like a good... She felt like someone who was truly a second waiver, mm-hmm. but I she also felt like someone that would kind of like pull us into the third and fourth wave a little bit. Yeah. So
1: I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to move on. Now we're talking about people that are for sure mostly alive. So well, yeah, we both picked. Scary. We both
0: picked second waivers that are still alive.
1: Is Betty Friedan alive? No. Oh, she's not. No. I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't mean to be. Forty-two. That was a long time ago. Yeah, she's still alive. All right. Well, that's it for this week, folks. You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475, and we will see you next week. See ya.